0: Razorback fans, welcome to the Hogbeat Hour, brought to you by the Rivals Network, Hogbeat.com. I'm Nikki Chavanel, managing editor here with Andrew Hutchinson, our senior team reporter. Hutch, it was a a big day yesterday, culminating in a Razorback basketball game. Um, uh, Didn't go the way that the Razorbacks had hoped, even after a seven-point halftime lead. Um, It just... Just didn't get those, those shots they needed there at the end. I mean, they had every chance to get back in it, but didn't fall their way as, as it tends to not for Arkansas.
1: <laughs> yeah, as I'm sure you've uh, come to learn over the last few years, uh, heartbreak is nothing new for Arkansas, uh, and it was more of the same last night. Uh, Arkansas had a couple of shots, a couple of chances there in the last minute. You know, Vance Jackson had a, a really good look. I mean, it was deep. Uh, but you know he had been really on fire most of the game, and so it was a good look rimmed out. Connor Vanover had a a point blank follow that would have tied the game. After that miss didn't fall. Uh, Jalen Tate had a had a decent look that was online, uh, just a little long off the back iron uh, in the last ten seconds that that would have given Arkansas the win. But you know that's just kind of the way it goes sometimes. It
0: felt like to me, like Vance Jackson. So he had a, a really good game comparatively to what he's been having so far this season. I mean, he hasn't been getting a ton of chances, but last night he responded to what Eric Musselman said. He wanted to see from him more boards, um, just better defense. And then his shot started falling. He was, you know, five or 10. Um, but on that shot that he took, it just didn't look like he thought that he was supposed to be taking it I don't know like it just seemed like there was a little bit of hesitation to me I was like oh no I just the way that he shot it didn't look like it was gonna go in to me
1: I mean to me it looked like a pretty decent shot I mean it wasn't ideal I mean it was pretty deep I mean it was probably NBA range Yeah. yeah um but you know he had been shooting really well uh in this game he was feeling it Uh, and it was it was open it's not like it was a contested you know thing where he was you know going trying to shoot through a defender or anything like that I mean it was a good look it was open Uh, and it wasn't like it was Ethan Henderson shooting it from that far out or something like that I mean it was a guy that is one of your shooters so I didn't have anything necessarily wrong with it Um, I was more disappointed that Connor Vanover wasn't able to to finish the the follow I mean he came flying in, grabbed the rebound, and, I mean, just point blank, just easy layup. I mean, stuff that you've been doing since you're in second grade and and wasn't able to finish.
0: It was a really big moment, you know. Apparently, you know, we're they're not there yet in the clutch factor. Um, and you, you look at, you know, Vance Jackson taking that shot, Jalen Tate taking that shot. You wish there was a guy like a Mason Jones who was that big, Moment guy, but I'm just not sure they have that yet. You hope Moses Moody could be that guy, but not sure.
1: And you also, I feel like we also need to mention that this was a road game at a top 10 opponent. So this right, isn't yeah. like they lost to, the, you know, some mid major or Vanderbilt or something like that. I mean, this was Tennessee. This is the preseason favorite to win the SEC, probably still the favorite to win the SEC. And you were right there. Uh, with a chance to win the game at, at the end despite you know committing 20 turnovers or whatever it was it's just ridiculous uh so i i feel like that deserves to be mentioned that that it, this was a team that that i personally i didn't think arkansas had a chance last night after after what they did against missouri you know three of 23 on layups and shot 26 or 27 percent from the floor and, and going up against a big physical talented team like tennessee i I thought Arkansas was going to lose by double digits again last night, Uh, and so for them to have a chance to win was good, but as Eric Musselman said, you know, no one wants to hear about the positives, you know, you, you get on the plane to win the game, they weren't able to get that done.
0: Yeah, too many turnovers, too many fouls, you know, however you feel about how refs call a game too many fouls, and then a lot of made shots by Tennessee, but Arkansas was uh, 16 of 28 from, you know, under the basket, so that's a big improvement, obviously, and then they shot 52% and 40% from three, so uh, you like that they took the teachings from that Missouri game and got better for the Tennessee game, but you can't forget the little things and and Tennessee was always going to be a really tough rebounding team, uh, a a really tough turnover team for them. And so, so you, you have to have them um, firing in in all the categories and you need to have consistency. And so a little bit more consistency and and they might, you know, beat Tennessee. Uh, But again, yeah, like you said, that is a a, a massive um, opponent for them to go in there and have such a good game Jalen Williams true freshman big man he got his first start what did you think of his performance I know a lot of people wanted to see even more of him
1: yeah I mean he was he was okay I mean he he did a good job of actually providing some some offense which I wasn't fully expecting him to do um, he I think he had what six points uh, and I think they scored him. Relatively early in the game, uh, most in the first half, uh, and so he did some good things. He had some rebounds, uh, but he also turned the ball over four times in 14 minutes. Uh, he's still, and this is something I noticed even in the the Red White game and against Mississippi Valley and some of those non conference games, he struggles, you know, being strong with the ball. He, he loses the ball a little too easily uh, than you would want from from a 6'10" big guy. And that, that's okay. I mean, he's still a freshman. Uh, he, he still is going to get stronger. He's going to get better. He's going to improve. Not everybody can come in and be a Bobby Portis from the get-go. Uh, so I, I think that we saw some good things. Uh, I totally understand why he only played 14 minutes. You know, there were people on our message board asking, you know, did he get hurt? Why did he not play much in the second half? Well, one, he turned the ball over four times in 14 minutes, which – a big guy that's not handling the ball all the time that that's a lot and then also Vance Jackson played so well and probably took a lot of those minutes in the second half uh, so I think it was a mixture of things but again first start as a true freshman on the road at a top 10 opponent you know that's a big physical team like Tennessee I thought he did okay uh, showed some positive signs but uh, plenty of room for improvement
0: um, you mentioned yeah Jalen Williams he's he's got A long time to improve and when you look at connor vanover so does he and you wish that he was finishing better but he is also playing better than he did when you know he was a freshman at cal and so you expect him to continue to grow as the season goes on unfortunate that arkansas has these really tough games but it's the SEC, so any, any night it's going to be tough games. But he's going to continue to grow as well. One, one player obviously there's concern about right now from a lot of different areas, Desi Sills, once again, not contributing much to the stat sheet um, in terms of positive stats. Uh, what did Musselman have to say about that after the game?
1: You know, uh, someone actually asked him directly, you know, what what do you think is contributing to Desi's struggles these last couple of games? And and Musselman, being kind of the the player's coach he is, he said, you know, I I really don't like answering questions like that about players because, you know, it's an individual thing. You know, I'd rather him answer that and, you know, tell you what he thinks is going on. Uh, But he did say that Desi is kind of a streaky player. There were times last year where, you know, he'd go two, three, four games in a row and not really do much. And then he'd have two, three, four games in a row where he looked awesome. And, and and I think we're seeing a little bit about a little bit of that. You know, he had a really good stretch there, capped by the twenty three, you know, career high, twenty three points at Auburn, uh, in the SEC opener. And then he had uh, six points. He was like what one of ten from the floor or something like that against Missouri. And then last night it was weird. He he just kinda like he disappeared. I mean he only took one shot the entire game. He only played eighteen minutes and you know, had a had a couple of rebounds, but really didn't do much. I mean, he had some uncharacteristic turnovers that just didn't look like him. Very weird. Uh, but I, again, he's a streaky player, and and you know, I don't know if it'll be the next game against Georgia or you know next week. Uh, but I, I expect him to get it going again, and you know, have a uh, have a run of you know three or four really good games in a row.
0: It's been about a week and a half since. Justin Smith had his ankle surgery, so we're still at least a week and a half, if not several more weeks away from him coming back, so it's great to see Vance Jackson break out a little bit. He sounded, I mean, I didn't actually listen to it, I read his words, Um, he sounded like he has a lot of confidence in himself, like just as a player, and he needed to be able to go out and have a night like this to rebuild um, you know, the the staff's confidence in him, uh, but they are gonna need Desi Sills to snap out of it really quickly, um, and just find more contributions in terms of um scoring. Uh but I don't know, Georgia coming up, they they uh lost by two points to LSU last night, I believe. So they're seven and I think two. It was Oh, did they? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, was, another good another good game. game. Uh, I think that one is at 2.30 on Saturday, SEC Network. Are you going to go to that one?
1: Yes, I will be at Bud Walton Arena for this game. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it, it's been a kind of a weird year. I haven't been able to make it out to as many games, and I don't know if it's, you know, a mixture of like a, a pandemic and having a one-year-old, and it's just, it's just a weird year.
0: It's just nice to, like, stay home. I know, like, we are home so often, but when you can watch it on TV and you can still, like, take care of stuff at home, it's it's so convenient.
1: Oh, <laughs> I'm sure Holly yourself.
0: screaming <laughs> in your ear last night was not.
1: <laughs> the last ten minutes of the game, she was screaming bloody murder. It she knew was what was going
0: to happen, Hutch. Awful.
1: Yeah, she, she's, she may only be 13 months old or whatever, but she, uh, she knows the way of the Razorbacks.
0: That was a turn-that-off scream. <laughs> I don't want to see this. Oh, man. You know, Eric Musselman, in these post-game press conferences, he usually wears his emotions on his sleeve. So how did, how did his vibe seem after that loss compared to last, last game?
1: You know, I, I actually noticed this, that he, he seemed a lot more upbeat than he usually is after a loss. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. He wasn't excited or happy or treating it like a moral victory. That, that's not Eric Mussman's nature. Uh, but sometimes after losses, like, you know, he was Saturday after Missouri, and there were a couple of games last year. There's sometimes where he just – he can't even, like, that, like even form words after games because he's so frustrated or upset. Uh, but that wasn't the case after the the Tennessee game. I mean, he – was able to to point out some positives and and say, hey, we did this, 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 and that better than than what we did in the previous game and we've shown improvements. So that gave me personally a lot of confidence, you know, moving forward with this team that that he saw a lot of stuff that he liked. And I mean, if he likes it, then, then it's probably pretty good because the guy knows basketball inside and out a lot better than me, you, or probably anyone listening to this uh, this podcast.
0: He's such a uh, like a meticulous like like data and stats guy and like I feel like he knows his team really well even if he's not always going to say exactly what he thinks about how good the team is. He knows that that was a game they were probably supposed to lose like in the grand scheme of this schedule. So to him having a five-point game with a chance to win at the end like you come away with that. Pretty happy, and I'm not, you know, calculating it myself, but I assume it it has a decent impact on their net, even just playing them. Is yeah, that what I, he was saying?
1: I, I I checked, and they they did fall, but they only fell four spots. They they were 25 into the, the game, and they fell to 29 uh, after the loss. So really, didn't hurt them. I think they actually went up in Ken Palm's rankings uh, a few spots. So. That just kind of shows you when it's a team like that on the road, uh, you know, no one likes to talk about quality losses or whatever, but it wasn't devastating. And the fact that they opened conference play with the win at Auburn, I mean, there was a reason Eric Musselman was so fired up and excited after that game, because he knew that two top 15 opponents coming up with Missouri and Tennessee, there was a very good chance they lost both of them. And one in SEC play sounds a whole heck of a lot better than Owen Thompson if
0: you have justin smith in these games i think things are a lot different but there's no there's no crying over spilt milk you know just gotta hustle through it Um, again georgia on saturday 2 30 on sec network we will have live coverage on hogbeat.com we want to offer you guys all 30 days free Um, we want you guys to come check out the message board our content uh, and I'm not. I'm actually not allowed to say this, so I will wait until when is it? January 11th. Um, but you, you're gonna want to be on Hogbeat. It's a, it's a quality site. <laughs> so get 30 days free with code HAWGS30 and join us for the Hogs game on Saturday versus Georgia. It has been quite a week. It started on Sunday. Um, Justin Step. The news broke that. Uh, Arkansas's beloved wide receiver coach, was off back home to South Carolina. Um, It was very surprising news from what I was told. Um, He essentially was like, no, I'm not interested, a couple times, and then final shot, you know, he had to really consider it, and it just kind of uh, worked out for him. I mean, from what I understand, he grew up literally – 30 minutes from the campus of South Carolina. And, you know, he went to games as a kid. You really, short of him having like played at the University of of South Carolina as a football player, like you can't blame someone for something like that. But I was very surprised. Um, Traylon Burks is still here. Like you got to know that he wants (laughs) – to have his name attached to Traylon Burks when he goes into the NFL, I'm sure he'll still be sharing graphics and stuff that, you know, that was his player, but all these coaches do that. Um, and I'm sure it was a very tough decision when he um, first decided to go to Arkansas from SMU. He, he was leaving wide receivers in that room. And he almost didn't do that going from SMU to Arkansas because he loved those guys so much. So I imagine it was one of the toughest decisions he's ever made, but very quickly Arkansas found a replacement. Um, So you probably assume that Sam Pittman and step are on good terms and they parted, um, you know, well, he didn't leave them in the lurch and uh, Arkansas has hired Kenny Guyton.
1: Yeah. Kenny Guyton, uh, The first thing that stood out to me about him was that he was on that 2010 Ohio State team that beat Arkansas in the Sugar Bowl that Arkansas fans probably remember uh, for their uh, shadiness, I guess is the way to put it, uh, where they had, I think, five players, including Terrell Pryor, their quarterback, uh, get caught for some NCAA violations. And they said, oh, we promise we'll come back next year. We'll serve our suspension next year. Just let us play in the Sugar Bowl. And they played in the Sugar Bowl, Arkansas lost, should have won, and uh, those guys bolted for the NFL. So, uh, obviously, no hard feelings anymore, as you, uh, as you can tell by the uh, tone of my voice.
0: How did they pull that off? The NCAA wouldn't no. allow that these days, I don't think. Like, if Jalen Catalan it's had said, I'm going <laughs> to serve my suspension next week, they wouldn't allow that.
1: This is Ohio State.
0: I guess. You know,
1: we saw what the Big Ten did this year. I mean, they oh, yeah. changed their rules for the conference championship game just to let them get in. And then they got to play in the college football playoff despite only having six games this year. I mean, this is the Ohio State, Nikki. Come on now.
0: <laughs> but we don't hold that against Kenny Guyton, do we? Because he wasn't even playing.
1: No, he was a backup. And based on you know, all the, the, the great content, you, you reached out to some Ohio State people and It seems like they really, really loved him just from a a leadership standpoint. I mean, I think he was, what, a two-time team captain despite being a backup quarterback? I mean, that's very odd.
0: Yeah, that would be like... Jack Lindsay being a, a team captain, which I'm sure he's a, a great guy and a nice leader, but it just doesn't make sense <laughs> to have someone who isn't even going to be on the field, like walk out for the coin toss very, very strange. But, um, you know, these days, some teams roll out like eight, eight team captains. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. Arkansas doesn't do that. Maybe Sam Pitt exactly. will, will adopt it. I hope he doesn't. But, um, so yeah. Uh, but, Before we, you know, break down how good of a hire it was and everything, let's look at the impact that Justin Stepp had here. Um, Came in from SMU, um, brought Mike Woods, who is committed to SMU, who has obviously contributed each year that he has been here. Um, The next recruiting class he brought in, Traylon Burks, Trey Knox, TQ Jackson, and um, Shamar Nash. Shamar Nash, we just found out, is now headed to Memphis. TQ Jackson is already down uh, back in Texas at SMU. Um, And Trey Knox had struggled this season for sure, but when he was recruiting him, that was a monster win Justin Stepp over Tennessee and and Florida. Um, You never know how hard those schools were recruiting, but you know, when it is that close, you generally give the coach a win uh, for that. And then Traylon Burks, for the most part, was always headed to Arkansas, but he still did a really good job. And you can tell how close those two have grown um, since the recruiting process. Um, And then uh, not the best um 2020 class from him with just one receiver uh darren turner uh turner hasn't contributed much but um you know memphis can be a very competitive place to recruit and still pulled out a high-rated three-star receiver and you know we'll see what comes from a quote-unquote megatron um haven't seen him in practice, so we really don't know what's what's up with him, uh, but hopefully he'll contribute down the road. And then this class, very solid class, two four-stars. Uh, we'll give Scott and Fountain his credit for uh, Rocket Sanders down in Florida, but um, Ketron Jackson, that was uh, a kid that could have gone to his pick of schools and really, really wanted to play for Justin Stepp. These, these kids are, are heartbroken that they're not going to be playing for him, but they kind of understand. And they have such a good relationship with him, like, on a personal level that they know that it's good for him to go back home if that's where he wants to be. Um, Jaden Wilson, a three-star, um, and also Bryce Stevens, a really fast kid from Oklahoma. So uh, he's left Arkansas with a full cupboard, you can say that at least. Um, I don't think Arkansas fans are going to have – ill will towards him in the future.
1: Exactly. And I don't even know if you mentioned Jaquelin Crawford, the Oklahoma kid. <laughs> he is a former four-star recruit. So, uh, hopefully we'll get a look at him this next year and uh, but you're right. I mean, he he did bring in some really really talented recruits. Now not all of them pan out, but they never do. I mean, Alabama brings in a bunch of four-stars who never pan out. Uh, you just always hear about the guys that do pan out because you, you hit All at of a higher them are rate. Four stars. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so uh, when you bring in such, you know, so many, such a high volume of high quality recruits like Justin Stepp did, you're going to get a Traylon Burks. Uh, you're going to get a Mike Woods, which credit to him for finding Mike Woods. I mean, he was, I think a 5.6 three-star, so not even a 5.7 and was going to SMU. I mean, could you imagine that guy playing in the American? I mean, he would have uh, been pretty he good. Was, he was awesome this year and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do next year. Uh, So really, really credit to Justin Step. And and I think he also deserves some credit for developing a guy like Davion Warren. I mean, uh, he was a guy that really was not used as a receiver his first three years at Arkansas, which, you know, included a couple of years under Step. But then this year uh, when, when Traylon Burks went down, he stepped up in a big, big way and, and was a, a really big contributor and probably would have had, a, you know, better numbers had he not torn his ACL in the Florida game. So uh, I, I I was really high on Justin Stepp. You never know exactly how much a position coach really contributed to a team. Uh, but if, if any of them did, I think Justin Stepp deserves a lot of credit.
0: Yeah, um, obviously the 2018 season, he had receivers that I think – because of just the general culture of the Belama team at the end there just weren't bought in well Michael petway um Jonathan Nance, Nance obviously went on and did some big things i I think Petway did well at Iowa State, maybe even I think that's where he was yeah, he um but you know he's a young coach, and sometimes it's hard for young coaches to um work with difficult personalities you know assert assert your um authority over these guys but kenny guyton also very young he he is going to have a room um that i think does things the right way which is um a little legacy that justin step is leaving here
1: yeah i think so as well and i mean it also probably didn't help that the head coach at the time was Chad Morris. I don't think anyone's gonna accuse him of creating a, a great culture either. So, uh, you know, I, I, I give Justice Stepp a lot of credit for for sticking with it and and being able to kind of maintain that culture, you know, despite all of the the turmoil of the the two years previous. Uh, so I think, I mean, there, there's a reason Sam Pittman decided to keep him on staff. And I think that was uh, really telling.
0: Um, so they went with Guyton, who again, um, so he he started his career, backup quarterback at Ohio State. He gets invited to practice or something by an NFL team, doesn't work out. Goes to arena football league. You got to know the guy loves football if you're gonna go play arena football. Um, then at the national championship game, um, he runs into Tom Herman. And Tom Herman has just been hired as the head coach um, at the University of Houston. And Tom's like, hey, Houston native, Kenny Guyton, are you going to hit me up about a job? And Kenny Guyton's like, "Uh, yeah, man, I will. And so he brings him in as a grad assistant. um, And then from what I hear, my Houston source was close to the program uh, when he was a grad assistant, not so much later in his career when he was a, um, a wide receivers coach at Houston. And he said when he was a GA, everybody loved him, recruits related to him, all of the good stuff uh, that you like to hear. So he couldn't tell me much about him as a coach at Houston, but um, good things still. Um, so he was the GA. Tom Herman gets hired after you know a lot of success at Houston, uh, he gets hired at Texas, and Guyton joins him as a quality uh, control coach. So a level up very quickly from GA to QC, and then Major Applewhite, coincidentally, um, parts ways with his wide receiver coach, who Tom Herman didn't take up to Texas with him, um, and. So Applewhite's like, hey, I remember Kenny Guyton. I'm going to go hire him away from Tom Herman and give him his first wide receivers job at like 25 years old, something like that. So a really young, quick move up the ranks. He does well at Houston. um, And then he goes to uh, the next stop, I think, was Louisiana Tech. And then he goes to Colorado State. And from what I understand, Louisiana Tech, I got someone uh, from our Louisiana Tech site, Ben Carlisle. He said Guyton was great. Uh, The recruits loved him. The players related to him. Um, From what I understand, the players did pretty well. I think um, Skip Holtz has a decent offense down there at Louisiana Tech. Um, And, you know, he recruited regionally in that area which is going to be good for Arkansas because they recruit Louisiana Um, and then they were only really expecting him to hold on for one season because he is really seen as a a young coach on the rise and not a lot of people got to see what he did with the wide receivers at Colorado State this year because it was only four games I think but uh, that was enough for Kendall Bryles to be like hey come replace Justin Stepp and uh, he's making I think 100K less than than Step and uh, is just, you know, a new face for the program. And I haven't gotten any uh, recruit reactions to the hire because they don't really know who he is at this point. Um, But uh, he's going to start reaching out to these guys soon and get a move on because there's a lot of wide receiver offers to get in touch with and kind of see where they're at.
1: And another thing that I think is, is worth mentioning about his kind of rise through the ranks is that, you know, when he was at Houston in 2018, uh, the offensive coordinator was Kendall Bryles. And so Kendall knows kind of what, you know, Kenny Guyton's all about, you know, what what he does. And, and to me this is very similar to the Sam Carter hire as the defensive backs coach because Sam Carter was a guy, you know, young, former player, played recently – uh, and worked under Barry Odom at Missouri. And Sam Pittman gave Barry like, hey, who do you think we should bring? And, and Barry was like, hey, I like this Sam Carter guy. And lo and behold, uh, I was a little skeptical of the hire when it first happened. Uh, but he has been pretty solid. You know, the secondary at Arkansas made some big strides this year. And I think Sam Carter has started kind of getting some uh, hype across the country and, you know, coaching circles. Uh, So I I feel like this Kenny Guyton hire might be very similar to that in that uh, Sam Pittman said, hey, Kendall, who do you like? Who do you think would be good? And he said, hey, this guy's a a young up and calmer through the ranks and bring him in and let's see what kind of impact he can make on the wide receivers.
0: The drama did not stop there. I was naive. I really thought this this coaching cycle would be like pre-chill. And it has been, honestly. There was like one really hairy day. But so far, so good. Did you did you expect this?
1: You know, I, I didn't really think about it, but whenever it was kind of unfolding, I said, you know what? This, this kind of makes sense, considering all the success Arkansas had, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah, you don't think a three and seven year is very successful, but considering where Arkansas was and what it did this year, I think that caught a lot of people's attention. And I think whenever you have success like that, Other schools are going to come calling and and want to pluck away your coaches.
0: I was just kind of watching, you know, firings and hirings at other schools and just kind of sitting back like, ha-ha. And then I was like, oh, man, they're going to need replacements. (laughs) And you would think, you know, Arkansas being in the SEC, they are upper echelon of football, but when it comes to hiring – obviously schools are going to try to pick off Arkansas's best every year so we just got to stay on our toes
1: especially when you got a guy like a guy like Barry Odom as your defensive coordinator I mean he's going to be in high demand
0: but it's kind of like we're we're still waiting on some contract numbers to come back we expect Barry Odom got a raise I, I figure that's how they hold on to someone like that but Sam Carter was just mentioned because, you know, he's so close to Barry Odom and he probably got a raise too. It's kind of crazy like how easy it is. You get you get mentioned by the media and here's another hundred thousand dollars. I
1: mean, it's it's probably a little bit more complicated that you probably have to actually, you know, go to Hunter check and say, Hey, Texas is knocking on my door, offering me X. What can you do? And, you know, like that's you have to at least interview like, hey, well, probably. We'll yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you got to have some some sort of evidence. At least a, a good athletic director isn't just gonna hand out raises willy nilly. Um, but you know, and, and for a guy like Sam Carter, I mean, he was only making, you know, I say only, uh, <laughs> only making two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And so that that's on the low end. So uh, I, I I would expect him to get a nice little pay bump, maybe up to three hundred thousand. You know, kind of the level of of Kenny Guyton. Uh, that that's kind of what I'm guessing. You know, we'll we'll see what it turns out. You know, once we get all these these contracts back that we're we're waiting on being finalized.
0: So Odom was named in the LSU defensive coordinator search for Bo Pelini, and then on uh, Monday morning, uh, CBS reported that uh, Will Muschamp had had passed on uh the the Texas defensive coordinator job. You know, who knows how that went down. But uh then Barry Odin was a top candidate. Should have should have seen that coming, but um it came as a surprise and I was like, oh man. He froze again. Someone had so um so the Texas job, he gets mentioned in it and I'm like, oh man, someone had mentioned to me that Uh, They had heard Barry Odom and Sam Carter were going down to Texas after the bowl game cancellation. I was like, oh, now it makes sense. I had just kind of overlooked it and thought, oh, maybe Sam Carter's just going home, going down to Houston for for New Year or something. Uh, But that doesn't make much sense. So uh, that made a lot more sense that they were probably interviewing or something like that down in Texas. But very quickly basically um, the players started sharing on social media like it did seem like at first they were concerned they were like what's going on but then they started sharing and it started with Joe Fouché he said they thought and I was like oh what's he talking about it was definitely Razorback related because he used the hashtag and everything uh, and then he retweeted a tweet of his from December when all the seniors were announcing that they were coming back. That said like, Oh, everyone's coming back this year. And so I was like, wow, that's really coincidental. And then Jalen Catalan tweeted a photo with Barry Odom uh, and it said, unfinished business, run it back, which in millennial, I I don't even know what they call the younger kids now, Jen, gen z or something in gen z terms that means let's do it again <laughs> so uh they're running it back um and we are just waiting for new contract details if there are any on barry odom so that pretty much put that to rest and then the I final,
1: gonna, i would assume there's gonna be a raise because yeah hunter year check you know tweeted out something along the lines of hey sam uh, sam Pittman, did we get some good news on barry odom today yeah, and yeah, Sam that was the final practice.
0: one. If no one had an idea at that point, once Hunter Yurchick tweeted about it, it was pretty a fish.
1: <laughs> and if there's ever going to be you know, a way to make it official, it would be, hey, we just gave this guy a lot more money.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's not like, even if you were offered a raise, it's not like if a head coaching job came open today that Barry Odom was right for, he couldn't still go. We just saw... And I'm pretty sure it's legit that like Mike Bobo, who was hired um, over at South Carolina, is now going to Auburn or something. So it's, it's not official until it's official. And even when it is, things can still change. Um, but Barry Odom is in. Uh, Sam Carter seems to be in. Um, but the last one that people were worried about on Monday was uh, Jameel Walker, the head of strength and conditioning who, uh, you know, casual fans may not pay a whole lot of attention to who the head of strength and conditioning is, but he was a very good one. He was from Georgia, obviously a great program that knows how to get their guys in good shape um, and ready to play. So having him was huge. And Sam Pittman had given him his first, like, head job. He was the assistant director at Georgia, so he was given uh, the the control over his whole department. And so he was mentioned as a candidate uh, at South Carolina. And here we go again. Everyone's like, oh, Gamecocks twice? No way. Um, But turns out, I believe he interviewed. People said he was in South Carolina. So I'm going to just go ahead and believe him. Um, I didn't have eyes on him or anything. But uh, apparently he's coming back. He posted on Instagram. He doesn't have Twitter uh, a picture. And it said year two. So happy ending overall after a a few hours of just people really freaking out and i gotta admit like i was a little worried that sam Pittman wasn't going to be able to hang on when a school like texas comes calling for your defensive coordinator but we don't know everything that's involved in these discussions we don't know um, how far into the process they were with barry odom was it just him on a list with many others who knows but we never know how these things go and it's always like a narrative that we create. He was probably minutes from signing and Sam Pittman called him. Um, we'll talk to Sam soon. Hopefully, I believe they're back in the office next week. So maybe we'll get to hear how all these things went down.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to hear. Cause I mean, I had also, I had heard from somebody that, that Barry Odom was one of LSU's top three candidates. And so he seemed to be a, a legitimate you know candidate there. And, he was pursued by some other SEC schools last year uh, before he ever coached a game uh, at Arkansas. And that's why he, got, he ended up getting a $100,000 raise last offseason. season. Uh, schools are going to pursue a guy like that uh, just because he does have a proven track record of success and had a, had a pretty decent year one at Arkansas. So uh, I think, you know, ultimately it kind of boils down, you know, money aside, obviously you can't really completely disregard it, but, That's just completely disregard the money. If you're Barry Odom, you're saying, okay, do I want to go to a place like Texas where if I have a bad year, they're going to fire me immediately, everyone's going to hate me, and it's going to suck, and it's just awful? Or you want to stay at a place like Arkansas where you just gave up, I think, like 34 points a game and like 450 yards a game, and people are wanting to build a statue of you. So, the expectations are completely different now. Then the question is: Is can I springboard Arkansas into a head coaching job better than I could at a place like Texas? If I had success at Texas, it would probably lead to me getting a probably a better head coaching job than I would if I stay at Arkansas. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of things to consider. But you know, it sounds like Sam Pittman won out, and he'll be at Arkansas in 2021
0: uh, you know, the Texas site, they were all over the news. So they had reached out to me for, you know, takes on Barry Odom already, even though, you know, he was just popping up in the discussion. Um, and they asked me how he was as a recruiter. And I was like, you know, recruiting at Texas would be so much harder for a guy like Barry Odom who has for a majority of his career, like profited from, kids who are under the radar or under the under recruited or just like pretty good recruits that he has coached up to be even better than they are and at Texas that is not enough you have to get the big names and coach them up and uh it would just be I think new to him like I'm not sure he's someone that cares about stars or stuff like that but when you're at Texas you absolutely have to there's no question they expect you to be top 15 in you know recruiting rankings every year and you can't do that without the stars um i don't doubt that he could have done it but especially with the heightened expectations at a program like that uh it's just a lot more pressure i'm not sure you need that if it's not your own head coaching job
1: yeah it's it's a whole lot different you're you're exactly right it's a whole lot different than than missouri than arkansas you know, he spent some time at Memphis, very, very different, you know, you you can bring in a handful of two-star recruits that evolve into, you know, all conference players and you can bring in three-star players and things like that. If you recruit a two-star kid at Texas, they're going to want to fire you. And so uh, I, I think, you know, just based on the little bit, I know of Barry Odom, I feel like Arkansas is a better fit for him Maybe that's looking at it through rose-colored glasses. I don't know. Uh, But I do see him.
0: Don't you know the second a a kid commits to Texas, he becomes a four-star? That's how it works. Exactly.
1: (laughs) So, uh, we'll we'll see how it plays out. I fully expect uh, Barry Odom to be a head coach again, maybe after the 2021 season, uh, but certainly after the following season, if not.
0: All we know is we can expect to be doing this every year no matter who's here. And you know what, Hutch? I'm not going to lie, because some people did say when I came to Northwest Arkansas, that I would be gone quickly. They did say that, and I will remember it. And I outlasted every single coach that came up in here. (laughs) (laughs) Hutch, uh, we haven't had a show since, you know, the new year started. So um, it's, you know, there's been a, quite a bit of news in just seven days of 2021, one piece of that being uh, the addition of Charlotte offensive lineman Tykeist East Crawford, and uh, if you're familiar with that name, you should be. That's because he was committed to Arkansas's 2020 class under Chad Morris. Uh, he was initially committed to Baylor, but he's an East Texas native, and Jeff Trailer. Tends to hold it down out there. So he flipped to Arkansas. He became, you know, one of Arkansas's biggest recruits. Uh, He eventually made it to four star status. He was all Razorbacks. And then the season just turned into a big flaming dumpster fire. And he decommitted after Arkansas lost to Kentucky. He was being courted by other programs like LSU. a& I believe uh, but turns out he wouldn't commit to another program at all because he couldn't make uh, the grades he ended up um, deciding to go to Kilgore Junior College but last minute surprise he did qualify and Charlotte had a spot for him um, which you know it's really rare that a spot, comes up like that Um, so far after signing day you usually use your 25 spots but there are you know teams around the country that do keep things open or just by happenstance things don't work out with another kid and you have another spot so he was able to go play d1 he started a few games as a true freshman Um, didn't post the best grades but probably what you'd expect from from most arkansas signees if you threw him in a few d1 games right off the bat so uh, i'm not gonna read too much into that he's listed at six foot five at charlotte but i believe he told the buzz the other day that uh, he was six eight so we'll see when he gets here but charlotte had him listed at six five so uh you know he could play inside he could play outside um a really exciting addition. If the NCAA passes their new transfer rules, he could play this coming season, and he will be here uh, this coming week with the rest of the early enrollees. So that was a really big get for Sam Pittman.
1: Yeah, I mean, anytime you can add a four-star offensive lineman, that that's big time. And uh, I remember whenever he was committed, it was a big deal for Arkansas because they hadn't had a four-star offensive line commitment since Sam Pittman left he was going to be the first guy and then of course everything fell apart and it didn't come to fruition but uh, he's he's finally made it here and I'm anxious to see what Sam Pittman can do with him as far as development I know a lot of people are expecting him to come in and immediately take a starting spot but this is still an offensive line that returns the entire two deep and yes the offensive line was not great by any means in 2020 but these are guys that are going to get better. They're going to keep getting improving under Sam Pittman and Brad Davis. Uh, these are guys, you know, you think that, you know, the, the guy like Jalen St. John was a former four-star You think he would probably be, you know, ahead in the pecking order from a, from a Tykeese Crawford. Uh, plus it's not like Crawford lit it up, but I mean, as you say, he was playing as a true freshman. Uh, that's really hard to do on the offensive line. I tend to think that the veteran guys are going to be better unless you can get a really, really good generational type guy. Is Tykees Crawford a Dan Skipper or Denver Kirkland? I don't know, and I think we won't know until we get to see what he looks like come spring ball, assuming spring ball happens like normal.
0: He is 335, so that bodes well for early playing time if he can get it together. But, you know, us uh, armchair coaches – Uh, On on oldhogbeat.com, we were watching the tape, and his feet look a little slow. He's a little raw, so you know how we think. Uh, (laughs) We'll we'll see how it goes, Um, but a really nice addition and one that they were able to make because Ty Clary and Myron Cunningham come back. If they don't come back, you're looking for someone who can come in and play right away. But with them in, you can bring in developmental type players. Um, So really good for them. But they're still looking for defensive linemen and there's a lot of good options i'm not gonna throw out names because they probably do contact similar to what eric musselman does they probably do contact a lot of these guys see what's up see if they're interested in the program but one thing i really loved about crawford it was pretty much immediate uh you could tell you know he was already interacting with the fan base again and when he committed he was like yeah this is This is still home, even though it's been a really long time. Luckily, with him, the fan base had been so, um, I don't know, just let down during last season that they didn't uh, really blame him for decommitting. Sometimes when that happens, things get ugly with the fans, and then commits wouldn't want to come back. But everyone understood what what Crawford saw uh after that Kentucky game and just that whole season so no one blamed him and he still loves the fan base called Arkansas a brotherhood um, so good job guys you didn't run him off <laughs> um other other transfer news not as exciting uh Miles Mason opted to transfer uh out of Arkansas Despite a good amount of contribution, every every season he'd contributed more and more snaps, but it was pretty clear. Uh, I think, you know, Jalen Catalan and, and Joe Fouché have essentially locked up those spots. You have some young talent in Miles Slusher coming up, and you got to think if Miles Mason wants to play in the NFL someday, he needs to be on a team where he's playing every single snap.
1: Yeah, but it was still a little bit surprising. Yeah, the Miles Slusher having him come up, uh, you know, right waiting in the wings is, is probably the, the deciding factor because Arkansas used so much dime package last year with six defensive backs that they always had a third safety on the field. That's why uh, Miles Mason started four games last year is because they were were using that that defense so often. And you know, who knows if that's what they'll continue to do moving forward. Uh, I would figure they will just because that's seems to be where they have all the talent is in the secondary. And uh, also just the, the way football is going teams are throwing the ball around the field all over the place. Uh, so I was, I was still pretty surprised that he, he decided to transfer because I, I figured he would be a, another significant contributor uh, next year and play a ton of snaps. But as you said, I mean, if, if he's got NFL aspirations, it makes sense. And I'm anxious to see kind of where he ends up, if it's a another power five level school or if he you know drops down to maybe a, a solid group of five program.
0: Um, you know, you just put your you put together your transfer tracker yesterday. We have that on Hogbeat, so you can go see where former hogs are landing. Like I said earlier, Shamar Nash, he chose to go back home to Memphis. Um former Razorback, I'm sure you guys still remember him, Chase Hayden uh yesterday said that he's going to go play for Brett Bielema over at Illinois which is kind of nice for them I I thought that was cute um who who else popped up on there
1: well the other guy that's transferred you know this offseason is Jarquez McClellan uh he's ended up at at Florida State which is a little surprising but you know I guess with uh, yeah Yeah, Norvell's kind of connection you know he well he's well and from Florida but Norvell's probably at least somewhat familiar with him because he, you know, was at Memphis. Uh, and so those are kind of the two, you know, that Nash and McClellan are the two that have already landed somewhere. We're still waiting to see where, you know, Jack Lindsay ends up. He's, he's probably going to end up at a smaller school so he can play quarterback somewhere. Uh, you know, we're still waiting on Chiboise and He's probably similar, going to end up at a small level. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see where Monte Spivey ends up. Cause I think he's got a lot of talent. Uh, does he end up somewhere like a South Alabama or Troy or something like that uh, back in his home state of Alabama? Uh, that'll be, that'll be interesting to watch. So yeah, there's, there's some, some blasts in the past. You know, Nick Starkle's still slinging around at San Jose state. He's coming back for an extra year of eligibility. Jordan Jones is coming back for an extra year of eligibility at Cincinnati. Uh, so lots of lots of blast from the bass on on that list.
0: There are still a few players that we don't really know the status of. I mean senior wise, um, but then also guys that like opted out like Jordan Curtis, um, but seniors like Dion Edwards was Hayden Henry on there? Um, I think
1: Yeah, Hayden Henry's a guy we don't know I, i've I've heard rumblings. I don't know if it's anything confirmed that he's probably just gonna move on with his life, but I don't, I don't know for certain. I don't know what, what his plans are. Uh, he would probably be a solid depth guy for sure, uh, as well as Dion Edwards at a position and knee there at linebacker.
0: Well, we will always keep you guys informed on the Hogbeat Hour live on Thursday nights. And if you miss this pod, you can catch it on Apple pods or on Spotify after the show. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Again, you can get 30 days at Hogbeat Free with code HAWGS30. Have a great Friday and a great weekend.